The relationship between lineups and ticket sales is a perpetual dilemma for festivals, clubs, and promoters. Acts who can draw a crowd based on social media popularity and streaming charts are often prioritized over lesser known names, a pattern that limits scope for left field programming. As major nightlife capitals experience volatile ticket numbers, leftover lockdown debts, staff shortages, rising inflation, and a saturation of events, among other pandemic-related effects, many fear this industry-wide pressure will be reflected in homogenous lineups. The Web3 community claims it can help. You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being here with us. This week's episode is another one in our new series, Reflections, breaking down some of the writing that we have across RA. So we have been celebrating electronic music's relationship with technology throughout this entire month. You might have heard AI collaborator Portrait XO right here on the exchange. We've also curated a Radio 1 takeover with mixes from DVS1, Zora Jones, King Brit and Object Blue. Plus, articles have gone live on RA about gamifying the online clubbing experience. We've had Caroline Whiteley's Earth Notes column highlight the environmental innovations hoping to sustain the electronic music scene. And Naishka Chandran has been delving into the world of Web3 in relation to promoters. Naishka's here now. Hello, Naishka. How are you today? Hello, I am good. Our story just got published, so I'm very happy it's finally out there in the world. Huge, huge day. Um, And quite early for you. You're in New York, so it's the morning for you. Um, Thank you so much for waking up and jumping online with me. Uh, You are a bit of a regular on the podcast these days, so I don't feel like I need to introduce you again. Um, But you are a writer at RA. Uh, And this is the story that you have been working on. So would you like to share the title with everyone? Sure. It's called The Web3 Dream of an Equitable Nightlife Industry. And um, this is something, this is a title that I thought really represents the story because it very much is a dream. It's It's a lofty ambition that, you know, a lot of people think will materialize, but a lot of people also don't. So remains a dream for now. Mm -hmm. So we heard a little bit of your article. Thank you for reading that to us. Um, And we're going to hear some more of it later on. Before we talk about what you've been writing about, I think it would be useful to just get a few buzzwords outlined. uh, Because this is like, it's quite a heavy subject. I find it hard to follow, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of words that pop up in this sector that I... I just don't really know what they are. Um, And I don't like to assume that everyone just knows what they are either. So you defined it in your article, but could you please tell us what is DAO? Right, of course. These are all terms that have entered the mainstream vocabulary. And, you know, I didn't know much about this world before I dived in. So there's no shame in not knowing what they are. A decentralized autonomous organization or a DAO is basically, it functions as a co-op. Think of a collective or a big crew of people that have a similar goal in mind. Um, You have DAOs that exist for everything. 
There's um, a DAO in the US that's trying to buy the US Constitution. You have a DAO for opening up an art gallery. Um, a DAO is basically, it functions as a co-op. Everyone has equal say in what kinds of projects this co-op takes on. Um, and essentially how it works is that if you want to join a DAO, you have to either buy into it by buying an NFT, which is another buzzword. Um, an NFT is basically a digital token. So you can buy into these DAOs. Some DAOs are free to join. So, and they give you their own token. In a traditional company, there's a CEO, um, there are shareholders, there's like a senior panel of advisors. A DAO, generally speaking, is not supposed to have like a chain of command. There's no central leader. Although, as I found out looking into many nightlife DAOs, there is usually a group of people who have the final say on decisions. But the difference is that they will have you know, a voting process and every member, no matter how many tokens you hold, usually, this is every DAO has different practices, but usually you will be able to have a say and make your voice heard, which is pretty different from how a regular company is wor working in the world of Web2 today. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for that. That was very comprehensive. Um, Web3, this is something, I mean, the internet definition is Web3 is a hypothetical future version of the net based on blockchain technology, which I think you'll agree with too. Am I right? Definitely. Um, Web3 is really hard to summarize because it is an entire ecosystem. And I think the more important word in that sentence you just said was blockchain. Mm -hmm. So blockchain really mix up Web3. There would be no Web3 with that blockchain. And blockchain, very, very hard to summarize. Um, it is essentially, it's a type of technology that makes... Um, it makes like any digital asset like transparent. It reduces the op opaqueness of, of the current internet. I mean, sometimes it's called like um, ledger technology because it's kind of like a ledger. It like creates a distribution chain. Um, another key aspect of blockchain is that it's decentralized. Everyone can have access to it and it's transparent to the public. Um, so basically it creates trust, right? Like as a consumer, if you're buying something on the blockchain, you know where it's coming from, you can see the source, um, you have more trust maybe in um, the source that you're buying it from. Um, and yeah, and it's basically, it's a bunch of digital assets that are distributed. So um, yeah, the whole thing about blockchain is that it's transparent, it's accessible, and it kind of like helps get rid of fraud and reduces risk, no matter what field it applies to. Um, online shopping, um, yeah, finance, everything. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've got our DAOs, our blockchains, our web frees. We understand a little bit more about these building blocks of the subject. Thank you for that. Um, I want to hear about who you interviewed for your piece. Um, can you tell me about, because it's obviously quite a new set of theories and a, a small pool of contributors um, that you had to draw from but maybe you could mention a couple of people that you spoke to in this article um, and what your process was like with the contributors. Definitely so when we talk about DAOs in nightlife it is an extremely small field 
you have a lot of DAOs that are throwing parties and that are involved in the world of electronic music, but they're not strictly focused on nightlife. Like their DAO, their mission statement isn't nightlife oriented. So when I was trying to find out what impact Web3 had on nightlife, I was looking around and really there are very few players operating in this space. Um, one of the biggest is called Refraction, which is now a name that more music heads are getting acquainted with because they're throwing a lot of um, very high profile festivals, parties and art events featuring artists that you see on the RA website every day. So it's kind of, um, it's a merging of worlds. Refraction Festival is, yeah, they're global now. They're, they're hosting events all around the world. Some of the other DAOs in this space are much smaller by comparison. They're not as active. And so I was actually approached by one of them. It's called the Willow Tree DAO, also known as TWT for short form. They actually approached me over Twitter asking me to speak on uh, like a discussion they were having about Web3 and nightlife. At that time, I didn't know anything about this field. And so I said no, but I started looking into them. And I realized that like Refraction, they are also beginning to throw events. Right now, their, their focus is, is the UK. Their events feature crowdsourced lineups. Um, there's not, the booking process isn't this exclusive you know, um, behind the scenes process that, you know, that is not really public. It's very public. Um, so they're kind of, they're, they're doing a similar thing as Refraction, but on a much smaller scale. Another DAO that kind of falls in the same field is um, a, an organization called Soda. They're also based in the UK. And what all of these three players have in common, Refraction, The Willow Tree, and Soda, is that they all want to eventually open their own venue. And that, that concept of DAOs entering the physical world by opening like you know, a brick and mortar um, club or community art space or any kind of live music space, is th that is the really um, distinguishing feature, I would say, because a lot of DAOs solely exist online. In the art world, you have a lot of DAOs that have opened IRL galleries, but in the nightlife world, that has yet to materialize. So there might be a lot of DAOs throwing parties, but these three are one of the few active DAOs that I found that are intent on opening their own spaces. And that to, that to me kind of made them stood out, and that's why I focus on these three in the story. That makes sense. Um... Initially, this story seemed like about, you know, technology and it's part of our tech month at RA. Um, but also, the more you read on it, it's just about like, you know, ownership. It's about equity. It's about trust. It's about trying to shift perception. Um, what, what was like something remarkable that you noticed when you were working on this piece in terms of like potential, but also potential risks? So I think when anyone talks about Web3, for the average person on the street, what they know about Web3 are NFTs. NFTs, you hear this word everywhere, and they are a central aspect of the Web3 economy. The sale of NFTs is a major revenue, um, source of revenue for anyone in Web3. But there's so much more to Web3 than just NFTs. And the reason I wanted to focus on, focus on DAOs 
is because how a DAO works is very essential to it's very it's very essential knowledge to know because how they work is so tied to how they're going to achieve their goals. Um, so what's remarkable for me is that you know DAOs are still very new. There are very few um, DAOs out there that have been able to expand. Um, when I say expand, I mean significantly grow their membership and still make good progress on achieving their goals, right? I mean, depending on what your focus is, your goal could be, um, it could be political. For us, you know, we're in the nightlife world. These DAOs want to open a club, essentially, and keep throwing parties around the world. Their ability, their ability, their ability to do that um, while onboarding new members, while figuring out ways to vote fairly, you know, it's like very small day-to-day um, kind of like logistical things that any um, company, startup, and in this case, you know, a decentralized co-op needs to figure out. Um, what's really crazy about this particular world is that these DAOs are so reliant. Their future is tied to the fate of crypto prices because everything to do with Web3 and everything to do with the sale of NFTs is all about crypto. And anyone reading the news for the past few months, you, know, you can see that crypto prices are just incredibly, they're incredibly up and down. Um, in the story, I talk about how, you know, like the, mo the world's most popular cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, has lost more than 71% of its value since November, which is, you know, like seven months ago. Um, so it's going to be very hard for these DAOs to achieve their goals and get new members because a lot of people are scared of crypto, you know. I personally don't own it because the, the highs and lows are just, they're so extreme. You have to have a really strong risk appetite. So, yeah, I mean, it's remarkable that these DAOs have really amassed so much public interest. Um, a lot of them are get increasingly getting new members. Um, every day, but I, I'm not sure of their ability to really penetrate like the mass market to get the average person on the street who goes to parties on the weekends. For them to kind of onboard like your average raver, that's going to take a long time because because um, just how volatile the market is, and as as we mentioned earlier, not many people know much about Web three and the blockchain and how this stuff works, it's, it can be very intimidating. So kind of how to observe how these DAOs are going to overcome, you know, these basic um, hurdles is going to be yeah, really interesting to see over the next three to five years. Absolutely. Well, for everyone listening to this, um, I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit from Naishka and I hope that your interest is piqued to go and read the full article, which is available now on ra.co. Uh, we're going to round out this episode with Naishka reading another paragraph from the piece. Um, so over to you, Naishka, and thank you so much for joining us on Reflections this week. Collectively owned units known as decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs are entering the nightlife realm by throwing their own parties, sourcing lineups from members to better represent local talents, marginalized creatives, and niche genres. These blockchain networks eventually want to operate their own venues, 
as gentrification and an overall increase in operating costs push independent bars, clubs, and art spaces out of business. DAOs hope a communally owned club will also resolve workforce hierarchies by empowering behind-the-scenes employees who usually get little to no say in how places are run. But the curation and administration of these DAOs is a hot topic among fans and critics. Collective transparent ownership sounds great on paper, but execution is a different matter. Membership scale, in particular, is a major hurdle. As their numbers grow, how can these DAOs ensure everyone has a say in programming? And can these groups really call themselves decentralized if they have a core team that makes the final calls?